jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Howard for Soaring through the air! High-flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration. Step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. Hope you all enjoyed the Long holiday weekend, 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. We do have one guest lined up for you today, Sean Keeley. You'll know him as the creator of the popular SU blog, Noon's Magician. He'll join us at the top of our number two. It is Tuesday, so we'll get into our top five Tuesday question as the show moves along. But it's our first show, Seth, uh, since SU's opener, and we've got to go over the good, the bad, and the confusing uh, Can where, we start with the confusing? I would like to start with the confusing because I think that's the most interesting thing to come out of the game, quite honestly. Uh, the confusing aspect of this, which I will say starts with uh, when did... Which I will say starts with when they decided to take Eric Dungy out of the game. Right? Like I, I think that's the most confusing thing. The fact that you took him out of the game in the second quarter at, at the beginning of the game, uh, you know, still early in the game. And I think that that led to a lot of the problems later, even if the problems weren't necessarily Tommy DeVito's fault. You know, I, I you know, say what you want about Tommy DeVito. He was a true freshman. I thought he made a couple nice throws. Uh, I didn't think he was terrible. I thought a lot of these problems stem from like, hey, you took out your starting quarterback and that's kind of a sign to your team, right? Listening there to uh, to Dino Babers talk about the Eric Dungy decision to put him on the bench and put Tommy DeVito in. Listening to him after the game, I understand his thinking. Right, he said that the game was firmly in hand at thirty four seven. He felt like not a lot of of bad could happen going into the locker room because it was late in the first half. Sure. And he wanted to give him reps with you know the first team while the game was quote unquote you know still in doubt and and so on and so forth. And I understand his thinking. To me, the more curious part of the decision was to wait until it was 34-28. Yes. Um, did I think it was a little early at the time? Yeah, I did. And you know that I was out covering high school football Friday night, and, and you texted me yes. and said, I was like, oh, uh, what's going on? DeVito's playing here in the first <laughs> half. So I went back, and, and obviously you know, I DVR'd the game. I watched it back uh, over the weekend. Um, but I, that's how I found out that DeVito went in, in in the first half. I was out shooting. I was at FM when you when you texted me, and I thought to myself, "Huh, that's a little early." Um, but again, listening to Babers afterwards, I understand why he did it. I get the line of thinking. I'm surprised that he waited agree with it. until like, it was 34 28 like I, to put him back in. I understand what you're saying, and and to an extent, I get what he was saying, and and he made this point after the game, which I I totally don't agree with. By the way, he was like, "Well, the game was more in hand in the first quarter than the third in the first half than the second half." Yeah, why do you think that happened? 
Like, that happened because everything just went wrong for you in the third quarter. Like, I, I thought that was a very weird rationalization. Like, you would have had no idea that the game was going to get weird, right? You would have had no idea in the first half that that game was going to get crazy and tight in the third quarter. And and I, I just thought, I thought it was too early to originally pull the quarterback and then too late to put him back in. Like, it, it just felt like that that whole sequence just took way too long, especially for somebody who by all accounts, is not battling an injury. And I I feel like I have to mention that because it's Eric Dungy and because he hasn't finished a season healthy and because he's gone through injury issues every single year that he's been here. But he, he wasn't, he wasn't hurt, right? That's everything we heard is he was not hurt. So if he wasn't hurt, then I, I really wonder why leave them in so long. Oh, I wanted to see if, if they could fight out of it. I think it was fairly obvious that they couldn't. Right, like I, I think it was fairly obvious. Even with Eric Dungy, like I, I think that they showed signs that if you took him off the field, there was going to be trouble. And then you took him off the field, and guess what happened? Like they kind of fell apart. Yeah. So Devito trotted out there three eleven left in the first half, and so again, if you're going to give him one possession, and it's thirty four seven at the time, I, I I'll buy that rationale that not a lot of bad things can happen. It's thirty four seven. There's three minutes left in the half. We'll give him a possession here and see how it goes. Sure. And then you're like, all right, still still 34-7 come out of the locker room. I, I'm okay with the next possession. And then, you know, very first play, Ravion Pierce fumbles. And then, boom, Western Michigan goes down and scores. Okay, so maybe you don't want that to be his last play. So maybe one more possession. Okay, but that, that's about at the as most, far as I go. At the most. And then it's 34-21. And that's when Dungy, in my opinion, has got to go back in the game. Um, the fact that he, he, you know, stuck with him. A little bit longer, and then Western Michigan made it 34-28. To me, that was surprising. When he went back out when it was 34-21, that's when I thought, Dungy is definitely hurt. Like they, they, yes. Whatever experiment this is, this isn't an experiment anymore. And I believe Dave Ryan even said it on the telecast. He said, this is Tommy DeVito's game because w- at that point, there you was just no reason assume. To believe, there was no reason to believe that Eric Dungy was able to come back into the game at that point. You just assume at that point, if he's going back out there and it's 34-21 now and all the momentum is on Western Michigan's side, you assume that Dungy's got to be hurt. I know I made the assumption. I you did. made the assumption. Yeah. You know, Everybody watching the game, Dave Ryan, who's calling the game, said it's Tommy DeVito's game, just assuming that DeVito's in the rest of the way. You know, Dungy's got the you know the tape the on his shoulder, tape, and, yeah. and you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, he must be hurt. He can't go back out there. And we all know what happened. He went back out there. He was great. Custis made that terrific one-handed grab to, to give him a little breathing room and, and make it 41-28, and, and they were able to win the game uh, you know, rather comfortably in the end, 55-42. to it was a head-scratching decision, but again, one that it didn't come back to bite them because you know they got the win. We thought it was going to be a close game, and really, at the end of the day, it wasn't. Syracuse went out and, and did a lot of good things uh, in that game to, to move to 1-0, and and they're going to be 2-0. and And after watching that game last night between Florida State and Virginia Tech, I'm not sure 3-0 is off the table. Florida State did not look good. Yeah, I want another week to watch Florida State because uh, they did— when you look at the numbers afterwards, there was a lot of good that they did, right? Like they, their numbers are weird because they got they they were terrible in the red zone, so they couldn't score in the so third like, quarter. Nine of their ten plays were either no yards or negative yards. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> no, it's it's crazy. I mean, that's awful. But uh, you know, I I want to I want another week of of Florida State. I, I want to see what they do next week, and and then I'll. I'll make my decision for the they're, following. Aren't week. they playing like Howard or I something? They're, they're, I don't know. Or but, Samford. That's oh, who they're okay. playing. So I don't know I if mean, another week is going to tell you. You're anything. not going to get anything. But I, 
I, I, I feel like I need to see more out of that team. I, I feel like I'm not ready yet because, sure, they could come up here and lay an egg and you could win or, like, they could just be Florida I'm State. I'm just and saying, had a bad night. it's not but off yes. the table. No, a win against right. Florida State. And we thought going into the year, it wasn't off the table. After watching them last night, it's definitely not off the table. No, you're right. And, and I, I guess the point is that game on Friday night ended up being um, a wider margin than I, I think either of us thought. I mean, I, I was relatively close. What I say, 11 points. At, and they and it ended up being thirteen. It was so, essentially a right. three possession was, game. I mean, they more than that the whole yeah, time. Yeah, Western and, Michigan scored at the end to kind of make it, you know, to make it two possessions. But I mean, that was essentially a three possession win. And you said that they did a lot of good, and I, I think for the most part they did. I mean, the first half the defense looked really good. The offense was rolling, even if they didn't complete passes and and had these issues. But I think there was also plenty of bad, right? Like there there was plenty of bad there for Syracuse football. I mean, uh, Jamal Custis is the only receiving threat they have. Devin Butler, it looks just wholly unengaged in playing football. Made two right? drops that he sh- he should have caught. Two drops, and then there were a couple. Of, and like I, this is the kind of stuff I don't like saying about people. But it, there were a couple of other routes that like it looked like he could have gotten to them and didn't. The one deep ball by yeah. Devito where yeah. he he just like kind of gave up on the play. Yeah. yeah, like it, you know there were a couple of passes like that that it looked like he could have gotten to it, but uh, just couldn't. And, and so. I, I wonder about him. I think that we will all season long. They need something more. I mean, Scoop Bradshaw got burned time after time in the second half. And, and you know, I know D. Wayne Eskridge is, is fast and, and runs a four three forty. but, like, Florida State has fast guys, and Clemson has fast guys, and, and some Louisville has of, fast some guys. Some of that, though, in, in Bradshaw's defense, and you're right. I mean, it, some of that number, is on Andre Cisco. It, it too. is. is yeah. Cisco was not deep enough on a couple of those plays, and you know, Bradshaw just wasn't quite fast enough to right. stay with him. I mean, it, he runs a you know four three forty. So, um, you know, some of it's technique, some of it is just flat out speed from Eskridge, and some of it is he's got to help have some help from the safety. And and Cisco's a freshman, and he made a couple of mistakes in this game, Absolutely and and those did. mistakes were were magnified because Western Michigan made some some huge plays to get back into this football game. Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't agree more, and and I think that when when you factored that in with the dysfunction on the offensive side in the third quarter. It led to, you know, it led to the team falling apart. And they played well in the first. They played well in the second. I think they played well in the fourth, even though that game was out of reach for the most part in the fourth quarter. But that third quarter was just really bad. Um, Was it bad because Tommy DeVito was the quarterback? I wouldn't go that far, right? I I wouldn't. I I don't think that's the reason that it was a bad quarter. I don't think that that's the reason why the offense struggled. Because Tommy DeVito came out, and there were probably three or four throws that I was like, wow. That's a really impressive throw. That that's probably something that Eric Dungy can't do, right? And and uh, one was called back by a holding penalty. One was dropped, you know. And and you kind of see, and the other one, uh, you know, and and the other one went for you know a, a three yard gain or whatever it was. I don't think he was the reason the offense struggled. I, I think the team just kind of fell apart, lost its bearing. And if you're going to do that, and if you're going to get outscored by 14 points against a better team, you're probably not going to win the game. And you're certainly not going to win it by two touchdowns. I think it was mixed reviews for Dungey or for Devito rather. I did too. Um, you know, he say that he, he he did some good things, which he did. I mean, he's got a strong arm. Obviously, he made some throws. He also had the miscommunication on the handoff where he fell yep. down. He had the the you know again afterwards. Baber saying that his foot was in the wrong place where Aaron Service stepped on on the third and short, and then right. he fell down again. Um, you can't blame him for Ravion Pierce's fumble. Obviously, nope. you can't blame him for the fact that the defense gave up you know big plays for Western Michigan to get back into it. Um, but he contributed to it. I mean, the the let's put it this way. You know, you say 
he's not to blame for the offense sputtering. He was partly to blame for the offense sputtering on a couple of those possessions, sure. um, like the miscommunication on the handoff and and the you know falling down on the third and short and not being able to to hand the ball off. Um, so it, it didn't. It didn't hum like it hums when Eric Dungy is out there. Well, um, and I think that's, but that, because, that's to be expected. You got a, a senior right. who's been playing four years, and you got a, a redshirt freshman who hasn't played at all in two years. Well, and isn't it also because Devito, while he showed he can run, like that's not his thing, and Eric Dungy ran for two hundred yards the other day. And he made I, I it mean, look easy too. Uh, yes, he made it look very easy. He ran for two hundred yards on fifteen carries, and. You know, he wasn't great throwing the ball. He was 7 of 17. Yeah, sure, there were drops. But, like, he didn't have a great day passing. And and this offense wasn't moving the ball in the passing game. But he ran for 200 yards. And when your quarterback runs for 200 yards, the offense is going to look better. You know, Tommy DeVito, he can run. Not like that. You know, he can move. He's mobile enough to move around in the pocket. He's not running for 200 yards. So it seems like, you know, things just kind of change when you have that different quarterback in, they're just two very different quarterbacks, and and I think that played a part in the changes in the offense and and, and how things looked in the third quarter. So I, I said we have to go over the the good, the bad, and the confusing. We certainly handled the confusing with the you know Dino Babers uh, going away from Eric Dungy for five possessions before bringing him back when it was a thirty four twenty eight game. By uh, the way, yeah, scored on all but one of Eric Dungy's possessions. Scored on the first nine, yes, and then at the end uh, they yeah. they had the one that 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 kind of stalled. Um, but yeah, nine for nine, couple of field that's goals, incredible. seven touch. I mean, that's it. It was incredible. Uh, the bad or the not so good. I mean, you know, Devin Butler was was not what we expected him to be, but it is one game, and you know, fortunately for Syracuse, Jamal Custis had a terrific game, and so you know, maybe you know, you say you want to give Florida State another game or two. Let's give it Devin Butler another game or two and 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 see if he improves. But he was he had a rough night. Uh, Tommy DeVito again mixed reviews for Tommy. So I'm not going to say that he was bad either. The defense was bad in the second half. I mean Awful the, the, the defense half, yes. was was bad. And you look at the stats after the game. Head scratching stat from from this game. Western Michigan averaged 9.7 yards per play for the entire game. 9.7 yards with per play. And a good defensive first half. Yeah. I mean, that shows you how bad the SU defense was in the second half. And I do think that that's concerning. The fact that, again, it was it was missed tackles. It was, you know, missed assignments. It was getting burned for the big play. Wayne um, Eskridge had 240 receiving yards. Yeah. I mean, Bellamy, <laughs> you know, slipped one tackle, got past Evan Foster, and just 64 yards. Yep. And it, it, like it was not, there was nobody there. It was one missed tackle, and he was gone. And there was the missed tackle by Scoop Bradshaw along the sidelines, and that led to a touchdown. It was, it, it, those things can't happen if you're going to, you know, to be a good team and it, you know, take that proverbial next step. That can't happen. And we, we saw a lot of those same mistakes from the past kind of sneak up. Uh, on this team Absolutely. on Friday. 315-437-7644. To the full lines we go. Dom in Syracuse kicking us off on the show today. Hey, Dom. Hey, guys. Just some quick hitters uh, about the game. Uh, there's a lot of meat on this phone. So. Um, going into the game, what did we assume? We assumed a porous defense. We got a porous defense. Um, we went into the game saying that the offense could not wholly run through Tony Dungy alone or uh, through Dungy alone. What happened? The the the, the, deep, uh, the offense ran through Dungy alone. Um, I think uh, I don't. At first, I thought going to Devito was a bad move. 
I mean, I think everyone thought, why are we going to him so early? Why did we stick with him so long? But as the game progressed, when I saw how much Dungey was running around, I thought to myself, this guy is not lasting a full season. We'd better get DeVito some meaningful reps so that he is comfortable. And I think what happened during that game, it was bright lights. It was a, he had some jitters. I'm not really worried about DeVito much at all. Uh, the same with the defense. I know it looks bad, the points that they gave up. I really think the defense – I'm putting this one on the coaching staff. I just think that there was a general – once they got up to this huge lead against Western Michigan going into the game with all the hype, then they go up big. They just took their the entire team. Forget taking, you know, forget taking Dungey out of the game. The entire team, defense included, just took their foot off the gas. Yeah. And they just had a hard time getting back. I think really that's what it is. I, you will see a better defensive. I think we're going to see a better defensive effort going forward. Um, but I'm, overall, my biggest takeaway is that Dungey, we, we, he can't. He simply can't have this much activity. He already had uh, muscle tape on his shoulder, and he's already gimping around. And it was the first game. So interesting. interested to hear your thoughts, guys. Yeah, Dom, I, I think the, the point that he made about uh, the team being comfortable that's kind of what my first point was. Like, I, I think that, uh, not saying that you're waving a white flag, but I think you are sending a signal to your team when you take your starting quarterback out. Like, I, I think that you're you're sending a message to your team and, and to an extent to the other team too. And like, yeah, you were up four touchdowns, but it was the second quarter. And, and so I think that when you're sending that message so early, I think that's ultimately what happened. Like, they sent this message of like, hey, we got this thing. Like, we got this wrapped up. We are not worried anymore. Like, we're good. And I, I think that, like, that's that's a message that you could send with two minutes left in the third quarter, right? Like, I, I think, like, I, I just, I felt like that was, like, that's why I thought it was early. Because that that's what I think happened. I think that they, they sent Dungy out and everybody was like, all right, we're good. Like, we got this, right? Like, yeah, Tommy's coming in. He's just going to get some reps. Well, let's, let's just play, like, another... Two, three drives well, and we're all off the field. We're all hitting the showers. Like, we're good. I understand what you're saying, Seth, but I think the more I listen to Dino Babers talk about it, like, I, I'm fine with him doing that, putting him in in the first half. And and, and here's why. You know, and, and Dom just brought up the whole injury thing with Dungy, and that yes, that's certainly a factor, and you, you put that on the side, that if Dungy goes out, you want to have DeVito ready. Okay? But when it comes to Tommy DeVito... Again, he hasn't played any snaps in a game in two years. You're right. And to your point about you put him in, it signals that the game is over and it's mop-up duty. I'm not sure you want to put him in the game and signal to him it's mop-up duty. Like, you want to get him some reps. Are you worried about that if you know that he knows what his role on this team is, which right now is backup quarterback? They want to get him ready to play. I don't think there's any question. They want to get him ready to play. And if you're going to get him ready to play, instead of putting him in and there's no pressure on him because, you know, the game is over and it's mop-up duty, that's different than putting him in in the first half when, even though you have a comfortable lead, you know, the game is not salted away at that point. And so I, I buy the fact that he thought, all right, not a lot of bad things can happen. There's three minutes left in the half, up by four touchdowns. Let's see what happens. The the part where I think he took it too far is Waiting letting him, him stay back. in the game when it was 34-21. That's today's next day delivery. It's brought to you by Hummel's Office Plus. We do need to take a time out. If you're on hold, stay on hold. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. 
Stephen Seth back with you on a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by the Bill Rapp Superstore at the corner of Thompson and Burnett in Syracuse or online at BillRapp.com. 315-437-7644 is the phone number. You can also text us. 315-288-0644. You have a text that just came in on the text line. Yeah, we got a text on the text line. Uh, Hey, guys, two biggest takeaways from the game. Uh, One, I'm sure everybody will be talking about Dino's decision for how long he kept DeVito in, which we did. Uh, But it's clear Dungy is the team leader, uh, both offensively and defensively. It wasn't so much DeVito, the O-line, and the defense just fell apart when he came into the game. I totally, totally agree there. Um, and then two, we have to find a receiver, not tight end or running back, not named Custis to be able to catch the ball. Butler and Riley both had opportunities with bad drops. Um, I, I mean, I think that if I, I think that if uh, Ravion Pierce steps up, like you don't mind that, you would like another receiver. But I I don't think you worry about it being a tight end versus a receiver. I do agree that like they need another receiver, like not running back, right? How you about the catch Mo Neal made, by right, the way? Right, but you, but no, you don't I know, want, I know what you're you don't saying. want like Mo Neal or Dante Strickland Understood. being your second leading receiver. You know, if your tight end is and and like you've got another wide receiver who's doing a good job, like I, I don't think you're as concerned about that. I do agree on the Mo Neal Dante Strickland part. Like you don't want them being one of your leading receivers. And let's not give up on Devin Butler just yet. I know it wasn't his finest hour. Um, I but, think the reason why, but I think the reason why maybe people will right or, or people are quicker to do it is because we saw these same problems last year, right? Like this isn't this isn't new. Well, and again, everybody is anointing well someone other than Custis. Like we know we have Custis. Like let's keep in mind, you say we saw it last year. <laughs> Custis for three years was. I tweeted this out on just Friday. disappeared. I tweeted this out on Friday night. He had more receiving yards Friday yeah, than right. he had in his career. So. Like, I get it. He played great, and it's fortunate for Syracuse that he played great. But right. when you assume that he's going to be Steve Ishmael this year, like, let's see him do it for three, four games in a row. Speaking and not of just, nice catches. You know, and Babers, Babers even made it a point after the game to say that, you know, he, he did not have a good spring. He was, eh, kind of so-so in the fall, right. and, you know, over the summer. And he had a great first game, and you hope that he keeps it up. Uh, and, yes, that, that catch was fantastic. Back to the phone lines we go. Steve in North Syracuse is up next on Orange Nation. Thanks for waiting, Steve. How are you today? I, I'm fine. Um, there were 97 points in the game, and you could probably make 97 points about the game, but I'll try to cut it down a bit because I don't want to take up your whole show here. Uh, firstly, we, we, we can't underestimate how good a win this was because this was a very iffy game on the road against a supposedly uh, lesser conference team, but one that had been in the Cotton Bowl two years ago, 6-6 six and six last year despite losing 21 uh, guys, and the 21 guys were all back. And uh, I think they, they, they expected to, to beat us, and we beat them, and that was an essential game to get if we're to have the kind of season that we hope to have. So with all the uh, dissection of the game, I think we have to remember to appreciate what a good win it was. Somebody uh, on the forum, I'm on, suggested that we went vanilla uh, with all of our strategies offensively and defensively because we didn't want to show Florida State anything. I can't imagine we went vanilla in this game because this was the game that we had to win. Uh, you, 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 you were talking about uh, uh, Butler there and the kind of game he has. Uh, there were a number of posters who were at the game and said that they saw a confrontation on the sidelines between Butler and McKinley Williams uh, after one of his uh, plays where he didn't put forth enough, enough effort. And uh, Butler actually took a swing at him. 
But after that, they noticed that Butler, uh, while he wasn't making a lot of catches, he was making some great blocks downfield. So that maybe maybe some of that got through to him, and we'll see uh, more in the future. But this is a third year of Dino Babers, and in a third year of a coaching tenure, you have a lot of guys who were inherited guys who, because of their experience, are starting. And you have a lot of younger guys who were recruited by the current coach. And in this case, most people seem to agree that the younger guys may turn out to be better players. So the coach has a dilemma. Does he want to stick with the experienced players or bring on the younger guys? And we showed an example of what can happen uh, favorably. Uh, I, I thought when Scoop Bradshaw was replaced by Trill Williams, and suddenly those long passes to Eskridge were not there anymore. They still gained, but they, they did it in increments because of uh, the cushion that they gave them. But uh, I think there are a lot of positions where a younger guy uh, is bigger, stronger, faster, might be able to do more things, and it'll be interesting to see how, uh, uh, how uh, willing Babers is to bring in some of the younger guys as we move along. A lot of them will probably play against Wagner, and uh, how they play may determine how the rest of the season goes. Uh, I also, uh, uh, just a couple of more points here. Uh, uh, the, the kicking game was tremendous uh, in Syracuse's favor in this game. Uh, I actually co- co- computed it. Um, uh, when, when we got the ball, uh, each team got the ball six, 16 times. Uh, we were... A total of 621 yards from our own goal line uh, when we got the ball. They were a total of 332 yards, so that's 289 more yards that they had to travel to score. They outgained us by 61 yards, but uh, I, I think that the the uh, field position we got from the kicking game was tremendous. I don't uh, think much at all of the fair catch uh, rule on the uh, the new fair catch rule on the. On the kickoffs, uh, I, I, I saw two kickoff returns for touchdowns in game Saturday that were not only exciting plays but huge plays in those games. And a guy making a fair catch at the two with nobody around him has no idea whether he might be able to do that or not. Uh, and it, it just at the same time, he's getting a, a, his team an automatic 23 yards by doing so. It's almost like the NBA rule where you inbounds uh, under your basket, call a timeout, and you get the ball at, 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 at half court. I, I just think it's a very bad rule, and we'll have to see how long we go with that. And my final point is I think they should have kicked the field goal up uh, 20 with four and a half minutes to go because I think there's a lot uh, more difference between being up 23 in that situation versus 20 uh, than there is uh, being up 27 versus 23. We wouldn't have had to sweated up so sweated out so uh, much down the stretch if we'd gotten it up to 23 points all right steve a lot there uh, appreciate you checking in uh hang on one second yeah. i just we said you know we talked about the the confusing part of the game the not so good under the good column for me was definitely special teams we had yet to talk yes. about it uh, yet but but andre schmidt was yeah. a surprise that that he was you know the the place kicker and he came in did his job and he did it well yeah, uh, I mean, I, I thought he did a good job. I thought special teams did a really good job overall. Uh, he had two big guys returning kicks multiple times, and nobody fumbled. Like, it was it was a successful night. Uh, one of the points that, I, that Steve brought up that I wanted to pass on, uh, that, that I wanted to hit on, uh, playing young guys over older guys, I don't think they're going to have any problem with that. Like, I, I think that you play the guys who give you the best chance of winning. And, and 
whether that is the the senior who's just happened to be here and been the best in previous years or the the new freshman who's there and better. Like, Andre Sisco is a starter on this team. Trill Williams, I think, is going to play a lot more in the secondary. I don't worry about them balancing that. Like, I, I think they'll figure that out. Back to the phone lines we go. Brendan and Manley is up next on the show. Thanks for waiting, Brendan. How are you today? Good, guys. How are you? Good. Good. I'm not sure I have a lot of points left. I think Steve hit it from every conceivable angle that there possibly is. I don't have any uh, statistics to back it up, but I'm just going to go off what I saw to the naked eye. Um, I agree 100%. I called you guys last week, talked about the importance of this game. So first and foremost, they went on the road, uh, won a game. They obviously have not been good uh, at doing it over the past couple of years. So that's that's the positives. But the negative thing, I was thinking about the, the DeVito uh, quarterback change, and I, I had a couple of thoughts. I think that Syracuse missed a golden opportunity to really put a stamp on the beginning of this season. If Dungy played that entire game, I don't think it's out of their own possibilities. They could have put up 70-plus points on Western Michigan. They could have beat them by 30 or 40 as opposed to you know a two-score game. I think for other teams looking on uh, and seeing Syracuse going to Western Michigan on the road, throwing up those kind of points, would have really uh, instilled some fear into our opponents. So I think that Coach Babers might have made a mistake by pulling him. Uh, and the second point that I want to make is I don't understand what what, what the mentality is. And I'm not, I don't want to call for anybody's job by any means, but I mean this in all due sincerity. And I know it's one game. I'm not trying to be uh, cheesy here, but how does Brian Ward still have a position as a defensive coordinator at Syracuse University? The amount of points this team gives up is absolutely absurd. I know they're going to a different defensive scheme this year, and I hope that they can turn things around. But, again, I don't want to call for anybody's job, but I know that Schaefer did it a couple of years ago going to Lester on the offensive coordinator. What do you guys think? Do you think that this is the kind of guy that should be leading this defense, or do you think that they should maybe, if this keeps up, halfway through the season and giving up 40, 50 points a game, do you see any changes being made on that side of the ball? I appreciate the call, uh, Brendan. I, I, I'll say this. Um, I think this is a big year for Brian Ward. And I, 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 I'm with you is that, that the questions keep mounting, and, and they need to answer the questions on the defensive side of the ball this year. Um, I forget who the caller was. We had a, a caller early. It, it was our first caller who said uh, about the, the defense. We, we expected to have a defense that couldn't stop anybody. I'm not sure that's true. I don't think so. I thought we thought it would be better this we year. We talked about that the defensive line was going to be better and the secondary was going to be better. The defensive line racked up two sacks in this game, and the secondary gave up a lot of big plays. Um, And we expected, all right, well, the linebackers are a question mark, not sure they can stop the run. I get that the linebackers are, are new, um, so fine, they they get a pass there, but but by and large, the defense giving up 42 points in this game after they played so well in the first half, I think it's concerning. Um, and and I'm not calling for anybody's job either, but I'll I'll say this: this is an important year for Brian Ward, and they've got to do better than that. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I I'm not calling for his job right now. I I don't know that I I will because I don't really like doing that, but. Uh, at the same time, it's a big year, and, and the defense has to step up. We've seen over the first two plus years that they've struggled, and if you're going to do this again, and you're going to, if you're going to struggle, I should say, if you're going to struggle from the jump, and not just at the end of the year when you, you know, are are playing tougher teams with less bodies and and not your best bodies, you're going to have issues. I, I've said this about the team as a whole that the excuses are kind of out the window this year. You know, Dungy's a fourth-year player, third year in the system. Uh, you know, you can no longer use the excuse that a lot of these guys are Schaefer's guys or that, you know, it's you don't have the ACC caliber of player. You're playing with Big East players. 
a, a lot of those a lot of those excuses are out the window and and I'll go to the defensive side of the ball a lot of you know Brian Ward's excuses are out the window about well it's a new system and we're playing with you know a, a player that was recruited by a different coach and they're not used to this scheme and and they don't fit and so on and so forth it's the third year they they they've got to do better than than what we saw on Friday plain and simple we do need to take another time out 3154377644 back after this on ESPN radio this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. Onondaga Community College's Workforce Development Program. Learn the skills local employees need in just two to eight months. For more information, go to sunyocc.edu backslash workforce. As we go back to the phone lines now, Scooter in Jamesville has been waiting patiently. Hey, Scooter, how are you today? Guys, uh, good. Uh, what happened last night with Florida State? I saw. You know, you know we you know, we discussed on the before. I saw that coming a mile away. Yeah, I mean, this system and the players. Just what, you know, so when we talked about Dino Babers bringing his system and the uh, you know when you when you're on a pro style offense, your offensive linemen they don't care how quick you are. They want big, strong, strong guys to make the pocket. You know, maybe you know three hundred fifty pounders. And if he's going to run his style like a South Florida, he wants what Dino Babers got. He wants smaller. Uh, offensive linemen. It's going to take a couple years, so that's why I thought this year might be the year we, you know, we can get Florida State. And it's a 12 noon game. And by the way, Seth, you said give them a couple games. Uh, it was another home game. I'd like to see what the attendance is for a 12 noon game at Florida State if they lose another home game this year. Yeah, that would be brutal. <laughs> yeah. Like what's that? Miami, what's that Miami, Miami right now? I hate to see what the attendance is going to be because their season, you know, they're all based on what they you know top 10. Yeah. Stuff like that when they lose a couple of games, they're going to lose interest down there too. What do you think the Miami Florida State game is going to look like this year? <laughs> it's it, it's going to be uh, interesting. That it, uh, from the standpoint, uh, both teams are struggling in the offense, and yep. uh, the, you know this is going to be very interesting. When you think of the old days of the Miami Florida State games, you know, how exciting the the, the the offenses were. They've gone they've gone the opposite. And as far as I, the, only, the, the only two teams I haven't seen on Syracuse's schedule. It's Pittsburgh and, of course, Wagner coming up. And I tell you, guys, I, I, I said before, from a physical standpoint, Syracuse is not going to get run out of you know, the gymnasium because of, you know, because of athleticism or speed. And in fact, I saw Carolina against uh, uh, California struggle mightily. I mean, it was 17-3, and that was an ugly game. I think the final score was 24-17. That's a mid-level Pac-12 team. And I think that game there is you could put in – Hopefully, past the 50 50 marker if they were looking for six wins. But uh, the game was weird because I kept thinking of it, it's like leaving leaving a pitcher in in baseball a little too long and not getting the momentum back. And, you know, it, uh, you, you, and it, was, it was weird that, you know, watching the game on TV, it didn't sound like Dungey did have a, a, an injury, but yet I didn't see him with his helmet on the sidelines a lot, which usually means that usually there's an injury because. Cause, because the player wants to come in, you want to keep him away. Because you don't have your helmet, you can't go into the game. So, but there wasn't, a, I guess, an injury according to you guys. So, is that anything that makes it more stranger? How long uh, the needle actually uh, played? But if you look at the overall game, who knows? Maybe Western Michigan's the most explosive offense we're going to see all year. Because I don't see too much explosive offense of the teams we have to play, which is going to hopefully be good for Syracuse indeed. And we know we can score against anybody. I think I have, I have real confidence as long as Dungey stays healthy. 
Yeah, appreciate you checking in, Scooter. You know, he, he brings up the baseball analogy, leaving in a pitcher too long. I, I looked at it, you know, basketball is my sport. I look at it as a guy that you take out because he's in foul trouble and you wait maybe a little bit too long right. to put him back in the game. You and wanna, then you put him back in and then you regain the momentum instantaneously. That's that's what we saw on Friday. You, you really want to get to the under four timeout. Right. It's like 4.30 on the clock and you're like, Gotta I go can to put him, him in, yeah. but I really want to wait that extra minute. That's that was the impression I got as I was watching the game. And Dungey, I believe, had his helmet on the uh, the possession before he came back in. I think D- Dino Babers had you know explained to him, "Listen, we're going to give Devito a shot here, and then coming out of the locker room, or we're going to give Devito another shot." Right. And I think Dungey thought he was going back in when right. when they made it thirty four twenty one, but he had to I sit one more possession. That was and the then impression I got just Yeah, like he looked anxious. He did. And then afterwards, Baber said, "Yeah, he was getting in my ear. Put me back in. Put me back in." And obviously, couldn't he, he couldn't wait any longer after it was thirty four twenty eight. Let's get one more phone call in uh, in this segment. Uh, Pat in Syracuse up next on the show. Hey, Pat. Guys, nice to be talking football, and it's ninety degrees. I mean, yeah, who would have thought about that? Was surprised sure. to see you calling, talking some football. What do you got for us? Yeah, I got a, got a couple things. First of all, I want to give Seth his props. I think he nailed it more than anybody else. I I, I think there was a message sent when uh, Dun- Dungey went out. There was a huge coaching mistake. Another small coaching mistake. I don't understand, and I'll side with like uh, Tomlin as the Pittsburgh head coach. When you get a chance to go up 14 instead of 13, you you, you go up 14. I can't stand that twice Syracuse went for one instead of two. I believe the percentages show that if you go for uh, two, three times in a row, you're, you have a chance to get more points, and, and that's the percentages versus going for one three times in a row. But that's a story for another day. I just didn't like it. I, I didn't like the fact that when we were basically up 13, we, we should have been up 14. And I, I thought there was a lot of coaching mistakes in there. And I also want to give your uh, previous caller there, Brandon. He had a good point of, of, about this defensive coordinator. And, Steve, I thought you did a good job of kind of answering it without answering it. I mean, nobody wants to call for anybody's jobs, but I, I, I still don't understand what we're even trying to accomplish with the horses we have on defense based on our schemes. It just It's, it's a recipe for disaster. I think we have more depth, and, and this is what I want you guys to comment on for me. I'm hoping that this team has some more depth because wouldn't it be nice to get to a bowl game? And my final point real quick is uh, interesting what North Carolina did with their football stadium. They downsized capacity to get better seats. Do you guys think we're ever going to get 50000 for football? If not, what do you think the likelihood is that with the basketball and football sharing the arena that, that they do look at the seating arrangements to maybe – give some better accommodations and less capacity. Because, I mean, when's the last time we had over 40,000 in that place? That's well, a good question. I mean, I know they did it. 40 I know they did it for one of the Clemsons. I know they did it. I think they did it for the LSU, one of the LSU games when they were up here, right? Yeah. It, and 10,000 were LSU see. fans. Stand right. by. Exactly. Uh, That's the Clemson, problem. Clemson last year was 42 plus. Um, and let's see. So even if you go from 50 to 42, I, I don't know. I just don't think they'll do it. I, LSU I, I in 2015 was 43. Kind of so for the marquee opponents, they're, they're getting 40-plus for the you know right. for the better opponents. But The it, problem with that, though, Pat, is, is and, and I, I think they'll do something with the seating when they redo the Dome. Like, that's the indication, right? But Third phase, that, though, right? Third phase yeah, but, is what they're talking but about. But one of the problems is that also affects your basketball seating capacity, right? Like, it, it does bring it down a little bit. It does knock it. For sure. So I, I think they've got to balance that. Yeah, I appreciate you checking in, Pat. We do have to take a time out here. Um, I don't know as if they're going to scale back. I, I think the, sure. the hope is that they start winning games. Keep in mind, they haven't had a good team in 17 years. Right. So, you know, we keep going back to 2001. If they can get good again, 
then I'm curious to see what the attendance looks like. I get that it's down right now, but if you give it a few years and Babers gets this thing rolling, then maybe you won't need to, to scale back. We need to take another timeout, wrap up hour number one right after this.